Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is faster EDI is a competitive advantage with my friend Eric Kaiser. Eric is the founder and CEO at Orderful, and Orderful is an EDI platform that makes EDI trading simpler, cheaper, and better. And EDI stands for Electronic Data Interchange, which is one of those standards that we use between computer systems. And traditionally, when trading partners like manufacturers, retailers, logistics companies want to connect via EDI, they've had to have these custom-made integrations and they were costly and time consuming. And so you could win an account and then it takes 16 weeks to bring that account online. So Orderful has solved that problem. Orderful is solving the EDI integration problem in an automated, transparent, scalable way. And they can take that 16 week or can be six months integration and get it down to six days. It's absolutely changing everything. EDI is typically not the most interesting topic, but Eric's a very interesting guy. And this is a very interesting solution to a problem we've had for a long time in this business. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Port X Logistics. Port X Logistics is an asset-based transportation company, and they specialize in containerized freight. So if you're having trouble moving your cargo out of the port, very common problem, then reach out to my friends over at PortX Logistics, and their website is portxlogistics.com. They're experienced, and they offer service at every single port and every single rail ramp in the United States and Canada. They have a, an approach that is guided by their four pillars, which is culture, service, tech, and trucks. Again, check them out over at portxlogistics.com. So how's it going, Eric? Hey, good, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on the top, on, the, on the podcast. So Eric, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, great. So my name's Eric. Started my career in consulting, kind of on the ground, building B2B integrations, learned a lot about the problem. A few years after I was working for somebody else doing that, I started my own consulting firm built a business around EDI integrations. I saw that the market, that there was a huge market, big TAM, a lot of money to be made. Quite frankly, I wasn't making enough money as working for somebody else. I saw what I was billing out at, out at and actually getting paid and got quite frustrated with that. But through that journey, I, as starting this company, I started to learn a few things. Like one, I was decent at selling EDI solutions and services. And then two, you know, kind of what the right integration was, you know, what the right solution was for, for these big enterprise accounts. So I was traveling out to companies like uh, Clover Stornetta, Dairy Farm, and, and Petaluma, California, Rip Curl, a surf company down in Costa Mesa, and Red Wing Shoes in Red Wing, Wisconsin. And as I was building all these EDI integrations and building all this kind of B2B infrastructure, Part of the challenge of running the consulting firm was that every project I sold, I had to bring on more, more resources to staff and solve these problems. And, you know, we would do the best we could as a company to solve some of the most complex, you know, B2B or EDI problems that our customers had. And I, I think we, I'd like to say we provided the best, you know, solution possible. 
But what I realized is every time we finished a project, the customer would always have to rely on us to support <laughs> them with the work we had built. So, you know, it, it, was a, it was a quite interesting experience where like, you know, the customer never actually had like kind of the perfect solution. There was no, you know, there, there wasn't really the right, you know, the right software left in place. We would end up kind of leaving them like, a, you know, a lot of code that they'd have to manage and a bunch of custom point-to-point -point integrations with their partners. So as I was building that and kind of going through that journey, I learned a lot about the EDI space. I worked with all the incumbents. I worked with, you know, all the big EDI players, the publicly traded companies. I looked at their business models, recognized that, you know, there were flaws to their delivery as well, and saw a huge opportunity to build kind of the tool that I had always wanted as a developer myself. So I took all that experience, saw the market opportunity, and that kind of, that gave me the idea to build Orderful, you know, which solves kind of the core problem with EDI. And what I noticed as a consultant was like, you know, every time I'd build an integration, it was a custom setup and it took me 12 to right. 16 weeks to complete. And I'm not, a, I'm not a dumb person. Like it was just hard. Like it was very hard to connect, you know, a smaller manufacturer or 3PL to a large shipper or retailer, you know, and, and the challenge with that is like both sides have competing demands. They have competing incentives, you know, the, the smaller brand wants to get their products on the shelf as fast as possible, but the, the larger buyer has, you know, a lineup of a bunch of brands that they're trying to onboard so that there's just never, there was never like the right solution to bring both parties together and focus on speed. I and mean, that's kind of, that's where Orful comes in is, you know, I, I had an idea early that we could create a platform that would turn EDI onboarding into an experience like flipping a light switch. I and mean, that, that was kind of the impetus for starting. Yeah, so I want to, I want to give you the, the other side of it. And again, I want to level set people because some people are going, oh my God, I, this is already over my head. I guarantee it because, <laughs> but I'll say <laughs> this. I think the problem from a layman's perspective, from the, I just sold an account and I'm excited. I'm going to win all this business and we're going to integrate with them. And then you say, our system has to be integrated to their system. And your techies say, oh, well, that's going to take a while. We have to find a guy. And he has to integrate us to their EDI system. And our system has to talk to their, their system. And they start using terms like EDI, API, all that. <laughs> that's but right. All I know is I hear, and I've been on projects like this where they say, it's going to take at least 10 weeks to do that integration so we can start doing that business if we can find a guy. First, we have to find the guy, and that's not going to be easy. And then when we find that guy, it's going to be right. very expensive. It's going to take 10 weeks. So all of a sudden, that joy that I was feeling like, I'm going to start making a ton of money on this new business turns to, we're going to spend a ton of money over the next three months. <laughs> and over oh, those yeah. next three months, we're making nothing because we didn't turn on the new business. And then I, and then the other That's part right. of it is I just got a customer who's very excited to get busy with me. I have to call him up and say, "Hey, you know all those great things I said I was going to do? It's going to start in like three months." <laughs> and another thing, I can't speak as to why. It's just techie stuff. <laughs> so those integrations, and and if I correct me as I go astray here, because again I, I'm in the shallow and you're in the deep end. Older companies, and I want to 
besmirch anybody. There's no nothing wrong with it. They've used EDI for a long time as a way to communicate. And then that's right. There's no one standard EDI across the industry. So it's not like I'm so that's so what right. ends up happening is when I try and connect my TMS or my WMS or my whatever to that retailer or to that manufacturer, whoever it might be, there is, it's not like, to your point, it's not like switching on a light switch. It's not like API. APIs were designed for integrations, Yeah, and there's right? a lot of work involved. <laughs> yeah. The, the challenge is like, you're right, like every single trading partner, you know, the way we look at the world at Orderful is there's leaders and followers in B2B. And a leader can be a retailer. It can be a 3PL. It can be a broker, right? And in the case of a broker, the follower is the carrier. Or in the case of the 3PL, uh, the follower is, is, is the carrier. In the case of the retailer, the follower is the supplier. So the thing is like these leaders set the requirements for their followers to adhere to. And every leader has their own unique requirement. So one follower may trade with hundreds of leaders, right? That's who they're selling their products to. That's who they're doing, providing services for. And the challenge is that each one of those leaders has their own unique requirement, not only for their business, like what, what the SLAs are and all of that, but also for each transaction type that a follower may be integrating with. So very quickly as an enterprise becomes mature, you know, you may have like hundreds to thousands of point to point integrations to handle all these requirements. And that becomes extremely overwhelming for followers to manage. A lot of followers, like, you know, if you're a brand, all you're trying to do is like build the best product in the world that's going to make the most money, right? Like you, and, and you want to satisfy your customers. You want to find product market fit. You want to build something that people love and you want to do that again. You don't really care about how it's done, right? Like they don't really care how it's done. They just want to do that and do that fast. Same with carriers. Like if you sign up a new, a new shipper, you want to start trading with that shipper immediately or a new broker. You don't want to wait, you know, you, like they're losing out on opportunity costs of, of, of that kind of delay. speed to value. And that sounds like very cliche right. thing to say, but I just sold an account. I'm excited. I think we're going to start making money. I start already, I'm spending it in yeah. my head. And then I talk to my tech team and they say, oh, don't spend anything yet because we got to spend, we, we, we've got, we've got a big investment and then we turn it on. And again, you, I've been through this where when I was selling 3PL services, we had a great TMS. And when we would talk to our, these companies, and there were a lot of manufacturers, a lot of different kind, mostly manufacturers, distributors, when we would say, yeah, yeah we, can, we can integrate to your ERP or your order system. And they would say, that'd be great. That would be great. Not once. <laughs> Not once. We had a lot of customers. Now, yeah, that was 10 really years hard. ago. It's impossible. It was 10 years ago. What we got to usually was a place where you just log in at a portal in our system because it we couldn't accept. We could have done it. They didn't want to spend on that integration, and we didn't want to spend on the integration. That was that was like 10, 12 years ago. The world now expects that we're going to have this from order to cash is all going to be connected. And part of the problem is it's not easy. Well, that's why that's why Orderful is here. So what I, what I saw as a competitor or as a consultant was like, not only building the integrations was hard, 
But the challenge is actually communicating with the buyer or communicating with the leader for, from the perspective of a follower. Same, and the leader actually has the same exact problem as a follower. They're trying to coordinate and do this work together over email and phone. So there's, you know, there's two problems there. There's the integration problem where you have to find the right guy to build the integration that knows your system, that knows how to wire everything together. Then you have to actually coordinate with these partners and test so you can go live. And then there's a third problem of like maintenance and management of like, you know, if something comes up, how do you solve these problems in real time and not have to rely on a support desk that's going to take, you know, weeks to weeks to uh, resolve issues. If I could throw something out there, there's, I know I'm, I'm always kind of aware that people listening to my podcast, a lot of them are working in sales and saying, oh, that's not my problem. This is, unless you are already using Orderful, and I don't know if, even if you guys have competition, unless you're using Orderful, you have this problem. This is a problem you have at your house, unless oh, yeah, yeah. you're already working with Look, Orderful. Joe, sales is hard. Like, and I think everybody on this podcast knows that sales is extremely difficult. And these sales reps are also commissioned, usually when, they, when the invoice gets paid, right? So they may, they may sell a deal that, you know, it's like a, the biggest deal they've ever sold. Like, let's say you get into Walmart and you're, you know, you're shipping freight for Walmart or you're selling product to Walmart. And you're, you're the sales rep that closed yeah, that deal. Yeah, you already went out and told the wife you're going to make more money. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the delay, the delay is insane. Like, you know, because the infrastructure isn't set up, right? That can take, traditionally take 12 to 16 weeks. That's a quarter. Then when you start invoicing, maybe you don't get paid by Walmart for another 60 days. So there's another quarter. So you're looking at like as a sales rep, possibly two quarters of no pay because the operational your company's spending money during that time because they're spending on very expensive consultants to do that connecting your tech to their to their tech and i've been through this where i was advising a very large shipper to select 3pl and it was everything was great and we're gonna the kickoff was this day and we're all very excited and the tech guys were all communicating. This was all kind of working right. And then one day they called and said, hey, we got to push this back at least four weeks. And it was like, we've been working together so closely. <laughs> Everybody signed off. Yeah, Everybody yeah, yeah. shook their head yes. But it was just the one of those connections between one system and another system. And again, I think we... On my podcast, I say this. I think I get biased because I get to hear people say, our API will do that. I joked about it for a while that I had no idea what API was, but it apparently fixed all problems. <laughs> and people would always just say, our API yeah. will do that. I was like, okay. And so we're building the newer systems with the idea that it has to be integrated, but that's not necessarily true of all the systems out there. Yeah, I can get it from a like a non-technical perspective. You hear about this new tech, like API or AI, and you're like, oh, thank God, like this is going to solve all my problems. But in reality, for, for B2B or EDI integrations, the challenge is the same. Like if every leader had their own API, you as a follower still have to build custom integrations to each one of those APIs. Now, the interface could be easier, like it could be easier for a developer. But that, that challenge is the same. So we, we've tackled that problem too. You know, what, we're, what we provide at Orderful is an API where a company can connect to us once and then trade with the world. 
And the benefit for this, those sales reps or the business is, is twofold. They get top line improvements because they can onboard their supply chain and network faster and start trading today, right? On average, our customers are going live within two weeks, about nine days versus 90 days, which is the industry average. And that's, that's where the speed comes in. So the top line benefit is there. And there's also a bottom line benefit where you're spending less time and money onboarding these accounts, like exactly what you were talking about. Like, you know, you close a big deal and then the company's spending money to get right. them onboarded. You know, we're, we're trying to solve both of those yep. problems. So we, we kind of jumped right into it. I wanted to ask you a little bit about you before you started. Now, first you started a company called, is it called Dopio? Dopio, yeah. It's a Italian for double espresso. Uh, okay. Is it the fun, fun name to differentiate ourselves in the market? And then yeah. you started Orderful. But before that, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started first consulting and charging people a ton of money for integrations and then started Orderful to reduce that cost. Yeah. I grew up in, uh, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up in Indianapolis. Nice. That is a tech center these days, isn't it? And a lot of trucking companies. They have a lot of tech. Yeah. The Salesforce moved in. Salesforce, I mean, it's the crossroads of America. It's the center of center of uh, the United States. For a long time, if you people would, and I, I actually helped somebody put it, I put it on their website. And I, I said, if you could pick one location for a warehouse in the U.S., it would be somewhere near Indianapolis because it, it's oh, like yeah, one day sure. to like 65% of the population. Now in the, the world of same day, next day, we don't talk about one location as much. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, you gotta have you gotta have multi. Continue on. So you grew up in Indianapolis. Grew up in Indianapolis, single mom, twin brother. We figured shit out as as children. You know, we had to survive. We figured out how to do how to do things for ourselves. As I got into college, I studied informatics, which is computer science with a focus on. Where'd you go to school? Entrepreneurship. I went to Indiana, Indiana University. Ah, very nice. Yeah, That's same as Peter Rentschler. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of good. Mark lot Cuban of good guys went there, in right? That went to uh, went to IU. That's he's right, right. He did. Yeah, he's <laughs> he he's done okay for himself. Yeah, went to went to IU. After school, I moved to Chicago and got into consulting. Like every 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 uh, kid from the Midwest is like a magnet to Chicago. Every kid from the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, every Big Ten every Big Ten student ends up moving to Chicago, and that's. Uh, that's what I ended up doing. All my friends were there. And and also like I'm I'm a pretty competitive guy. You know, most of my friends got into got into jobs at like McKinsey or Deloitte, working like really, you know, really prestigious management consulting jobs. And I was like, all right, well, I need to figure out how to compete with these guys. And so I went to a small boutique mid-market supply chain focused consulting firm. No one, no one knew got, what supply like, chain was then. Were, <laughs> yeah. My, my friends were like, what the hell are you doing? I was like, well, I think I'm going to have more exposure to like real problems. And I think this is going to be like, you know, I think I'm going to be like kind of the guy building this stuff. And I think, I think I'm going to see a lot. And meanwhile, they're sitting in the ivory towers in downtown Chicago. I'm, I'm on the ground at like meat manufacturing plants and like car, you know, auto part manufacturers. Like I was in the shit for, you know, three years and kind of in the trenches figuring all this stuff out. And I think that kind of really enabled me to, to start building myself. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I spent most of my early career in, um, well, 20 some years in automotive. And I used to joke that if you're in automotive, you never once go to a really cool city. So you have like friends who are like, 
I'm going to Manhattan this week. I'm like, I'm I'm going to some plant in Ohio, <laughs> like in some small town. <laughs> yeah, it's where the work's done. But you know, there's like you know the the amazing. I mean, of course, like you learn, you learn, I learned so much about business. I learned so much about the people running these businesses, operating them, who they were, what they liked. Like there's this, it's so intangible to think about the benefits of like being on site and like being with these companies for, you know, weeks on end, months on end, solving complex problems. Like, you know, these are really smart people running these, running these companies, like, and they're all doing their best, right? Like they're, they're building, they're solving problems the best way they know how. And yeah, it was quite incredible kind of seeing, seeing how all that worked. And that kind of bled into what I was building. It was like, well, you know, I think everybody's trying their best. Everybody has like done their best job to try to make these like integrations fast. Oh, yeah. But the best, like the best wasn't good enough for me. I, I you know, I had to figure out a way to, to kind of break the status so, quo. Let's talk first about you started Dopio. How long ago did you start that? That was ten years ago. So you start. You, so you thought I'm going to do these integrations on my own because I think I can do it better. I think I can do it better than the existing companies out there. And that was really a focus, right? That's all I'm going to do. Yeah, and we, you know, we attached ourselves to a larger market, like an ERP market, the Infor ERP market, and what we. You know, we became kind of very quickly like the technology experts in that space. You have a pretty funny story with that. Like I hired a COO and, you know, I had no, no idea what I was doing, operating a business, like running financial models, like none of that shit. Like it was, it was a mess for the first few years, but I hired, ended up hiring like year three, hired a COO and I was like, sweet, you know, great. I get to offload all this stuff. And you know, he's like, Eric, we need more resources. We need a lot more people. And I was like, all right. I was like, why? I was like, you know, I'm doing all of this. Like I was like, Bill, I was like taking it all on myself. Like that's kind of, you know, my personality. Like what I learned uh, early life is like, if I want to do things well, I'm going to do it myself. I've since learned that I, like how to delegate and how to work with people. But, you know, I was like, Mono, like, I don't need, I don't need help. I'm just going to do this. He's like, no, no, we need to, we need to hire people. So we looked for like integration talent and we we're looking for people to do this work, to build these integrations. And there was absolutely nobody in the United States. It's also not very sexy. I mean, I'll throw it out there. It's, it's says, not sexy at which all. Which would you rather yeah. connect this little CPG to Walmart or go to Silicon Valley? Yeah, build a web app. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody, nobody, nobody wants, no developer wants to work on EDI. So like, yeah, that was like the biggest kind of eye-opening thing to us was like, we can't find anybody in the U.S. that's willing to do this. Not even contractors, like nobody. That's what made me successful doing it early. It was like, there's just no one else. And so, you know, we looked at, we looked at different locations. We picked an office in India. We set up an office. We hired about 30 developers in India to support the projects I was selling. And man, Joe, I went there. This is the funny part of the story. I went there and was just like, I had no idea that we had 30 employees. I thought it was just like a small thing of like five people, but I show up and the whole company's like standing in a circle and I get in the middle of the circle. They all have gifts <laughs> and they're all saying their names. And I'm like, I was just so overwhelmed with like the whole thing. But 
you know, super grateful for that experience. Like it was, it was a really, really cool experience to, to get started with that. If I ever get the chance to go to India, I'm just convinced everyone I meet is going to say, oh, you work in, you work in freight tech, right? <laughs> Everybody there, like we got a country of a, a billion people, three quarters of them work in freight tech. You think, they all, you think you're that famous? <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I just, I'm convinced that the that they're all working in freight tech because of all everyone's oh, back yeah, offices yeah, yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, by the way, I want to get to this in a minute. I was just talking to a, an associate in India who was talking about the AI and how a lot of co programmers are very concerned about how quickly AI can do their job. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll get, we'll come back yeah. to that one. So you started Dopio and you grew it and it's still there. You're still working with them, right? That's right. I, I'm just on the board at this point. But it is still thriving in that people still need to connect EDI thriving. to... Their, now, are these two different kinds of EDI? First of all, could you explain what EDI is for everybody who doesn't know? I should have done that. Or so EDI, EDI stands for Electronic Data Interchange. And it's the way that the supply chain operates. Like... Any time two companies are doing business together in the supply chain, they are trading EDI transactions, guaranteed. You know, having, a, having an integrated system, meaning system A talks to system B and there's data flowing between the two, is kind of the ultimate experience for supply chain companies to trade because you have, you have records of these transactions, you can kind of, you can audit them, you can keep track of things in real time, you can receive orders in real time, you can receive, you know, truckload requests in real time. You can respond in real time. That is, that is like how that's the real time now. Work. But wasn't it traditionally batched? I mean, and I think you said to me yesterday when we were talking is that EDI predates the internet. And yeah, I remember early in my career, people would say EDI. We get a like one batch a day. It just dumps from one system to another. Yeah, yeah. So they would say we're connected to that other system. So once a day, we can send that information. Obviously, that's not the way we do business today. So please explain. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. I mean, EDI is built on legacy infrastructure. And so since it predates the internet, as it started getting consumed by enterprise, everybody set up their own unique infrastructure to trade EDI. And when you say trade EDI, you mean exchange transactions. Exchange. Yeah, we call it we call it trading. You know, we call like EDI partners trading partners. Just to confuse everybody? I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gotta be a little more complicated so you non tech folks don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, the the thing is like every single one of these leader integrations is custom. And since it predates the internet, there was no concept of like an API or or some, you know, some kind of validation service that could solve a lot of problems for a company. So what people would do is stand up their own infrastructure. So it could be like, you know, their own unique requirement that's a PDF file. Like Walmart would send out a PDF file to suppliers or, you know, Coke Industries was sending out a PDF file, K uh, KPX Transportation sending out a PDF file to carriers to follow these requirements. And then they'll also send out their own unique kind of require their own unique communication channel requirements, which could be over an FTP server, which is not synchronous or an AS2 server, which is kind of this, the same thing, a, a bit more secure. And and then there's the legacy EDI concept of a van. I don't know if, if I even want to explain that. It might <laughs> yeah, be way probably. over your head. 
it's definitely it's still kind of over it's still kind of over my head but it's amazing that these companies exist but what they what they do is they will connect they'll build connections they, they just act as like a you know integration bus for edi transactions so they'll build all these pre-built connections but not really do anything with the data they're just kind of sending and receiving the data through a mailbox companies pay a lot of money for that so if i could just add my layman's view of this large companies let's just say the walmarts of the world they've been using tech for a while but so they might have made these investments you know call them legacy systems that use edi they aren't necessarily saying we have to update even if they wanted to it's probably a billion dollars by this time to update systems like i mean i'm sure they're updating within what they have but they're still yeah. going to have edi and now i remember for a minute, people started saying, I remember reading something where it says API or is going to re- is going to replace EDI. And then I started hearing people, no, 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 EDI is here to stay. And could you explain what API versus EDI is and, and tell us where, where you think it's heading? Yeah, API stands for Application Programming Interface. And what, what APIs provide is a very easy way to communicate transactions from point A to point B. And with an API, you can build validation. You can build a lot of other features within that communication that you could never do with EDI. Um, and the value of that is like, let's say with Orderful, for example, if you post a transaction to our product, we have an API to consume the payload, like the data that you would be sending to a, to a trading partner. When you hit our API, we're going to validate your data against not only against the syntax of the like the structure of the file but we're also going to validate against the semantics like all the all the actual data in the file and we're going to tell you if it's right or wrong whereas in traditional edi if you send a payload over an ftp server you have no idea like there's no validation there's no there's no there's no ability to program on top of that ftp server to like parse the data so you say syntax you're just basically format right it's making sure it's yeah yeah syntax is syntax the structure semantics is the actual data within the file and so with edi if you send data over an ftp there's no way to put an you know write code to validate or to to do anything with that data right there's no way to provide instruction in a program programmatic way to understand what's in the what's in the file itself so apis have become very popular because you can do, you know, you can do a lot more with the data. You can provide more structure to the files. You can describe to a user how they should interact with with their, you know, systems or whatever they're. Is API with. also kind of also always open, so it's just, it doesn't need the uh, the, the batching. Or the... Yeah, it's, it should be real time, right? So we like it's very common for you know companies to pull data in like a what's called a webhook, which means just you know kind of a, a real-time push, right? Like if, if the system gets a record, we push it out through the API. There's another, there's like another concept with trade where you can bucket data and have a puller um, and you can just call the puller every 10 seconds or whatever, and it's gonna pull down anything that's new. So you can keep track of all that rec- all those records. But the benefit of that is like the API is way faster than using these legacy methods. A lot of enterprises are actually using like the Windows schedule job, which is absolutely insane, on a Windows server to pull data from an FTP server. And they're doing that in batch like maybe three times a day, right? So they're not getting their 
their supply chain transactions in real time. Whereas, you know, with a modern solution like Orderful, you can get this stuff in real time. And that's, again, that's really important too, because this is the lifeblood of your business. Like these transactions, like if you're not receiving an order, like as soon as it hits, you may, you actually may have a chance to fulfill that order same day and give the customer a better experience. But if you're not receiving that order in real time, you're not able to fulfill that till the next day, or maybe there's a queue and like, it's the, the following day. And like, you know, that kind of leads to these long lead times of, of product delivery and shipping and all, you know, all kinds of problems down the supply chain. Right. In order for us to do same day, next day and do the, and give that Amazon type experience, we need the right tech. So I want to switch gears for a second. So we all, my summary, the layman's summary is traditionally we've had these system integrations that can be very, very costly. And again, my experience has been when we find a guy and he's not necessarily available, could take a while to find that guy. And then that guy could take- very, th- Those guys are not yeah. in the United States. Like they're hard to find. And it could take 10 weeks, 12 weeks. You said 90 days. It's also wildly expensive because they are rare. And so that has been my experience in the past- Jonathan, who works with you, when Jonathan called me and it was explaining what you guys did the first day, I was like, oh, really? I go, and again, I'm, you clearly know I'm not a techie. But then I had a conversation <laughs> with somebody over at Metaphora, the old carrier direct, and they go, that doesn't sound right. I said, no, it's true. <laughs> and they go, really? I was like, yeah, really? Yeah. And then I, uh, I had the same conversation, I think, with JBF Consulting. And it, it's a funny thing. When, when you tell somebody who's lived the old way that it doesn't have to take 90 days, that it could be done in nine days, you're like, they don't believe you. That is our uphill battle in the sales cycle is- These, these kids like, are lying to me, man. To us and they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, you know, I'm, 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 now, I'm now an adult. No, no, I'm saying but, relative to like the older yeah, people no, 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 who would I'm, be hearing it, no, I their know, assumption I know, would be I like, know. these kids don't know what they're talking about. No, no, they told a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, they're like, look, like we have built this system over 20 years and we've done everything we can. And the thing, the, the truth of it is they've done the best job they can with the resources they have. Like they hadn't thought of a new way to build it. They were just building it with, you know, the software that they were provided. And that, you know, most, most cases like these enterprises are operating pretty efficiently with EDI, but it's still taking them 12 to 16 weeks go live. But that is the uphill battle. People come to us and they're like, okay, we read your website. We see that it's fast. We understand that you have these big accounts, but how the hell do you do this? Like, like you need to convince us that this is the right way. And yeah, it's been, you know, that's been quite the I got to tell you, and I experienced we- that early in my career. I was a designer, automotive designer. So we were making automotive parts. And I remember when the CAD systems came out, I was young and I remember using it. And I remember somebody said I was rotating a, a rotating something in the computer. And then there was a couple engineers that I was working with. They're like, that's not actually moving it. It's just giving you the, imp-. I go, no, it's moving it. And they're like, well, there's thousands of points in there. I was like, I know. And I remember yeah. those guys never trusted, by the way, you would also see them. They would take their scale or their, their uh, ruler, whatever you want to call it. And, put it up on the screen. I go, don't touch, don't touch the screen with that damn metal. And they're like, this can't be right. None of them believed it. They would retire not knowing. <laughs> so Yeah. But you know what? That's like, it's actually a really good mm-hmm. problem to have 
because what what we're what we're doing is we're you know we're experiencing a market that has a huge need. Oh yeah. And people people want to solve this problem, but I think in EDI everybody's been burned. Like a lot oh, of these yeah. bigger companies, like all the incumbents have overpromised and underdelivered. And a lot of the customers we get come from the incumbents and they they actually never have never go live. It's not even 12 weeks. It's not they never, it's not it's never. 16 weeks. It's <laughs> It's a year. It's like a year. It's like they sold Walmart and they still can't do business with Walmart. So, you know, those are those are some of the fun problems to solve. I told you this before. We would we would sell an account and we'd talk about integrating and we never integrated to anyone. That's only 10, 12 years ago. It wasn't because we didn't have the technical capability. It was just I think in a lot of ways people were like, oh. We've been through that before. It takes a long time. You got to talk to our team, and you have to we have to talk to your team, and then you have to hire someone. It's a whole thing. Data entry, right? With clerks, clerks, we understand. You take that. We'll we'll fax it to you. We'll email it to you. You take it out of that and enter it into your system. Yeah, Joe. What What's interesting is like a lot of people just are okay with the status quo with BDI, right? But they shouldn't be. And the reason why, like, the reason why I'm doing this is I lived it that like on site, (laughs) I lived it and I love this shit. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, it's so complicated. There's so many problems to solve. It's so fun. You know, it's provided, you know, for me, it's provided my life last 15 years. I mean, it's been, it's been an incredible journey, like, but I absolutely love it. And I love working with customers that have complex problems because every time we get into one of those situations, we're, we're adding to our product. We're creating, you're creating a better experience than what they were doing previously. So it's, it's been super fun. Yep. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions is a nearshore offshore service provider, and they provide a range of services, including staffing, technology, marketing, sales, and business process outsourcing. They work with over 500 U.S. transportation and logistics companies. And what they have is this model where they have satellite offices down in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. And their their approach is real low cost, low risk, low hassle. They have 9,000 employees now. They're one of the fastest growing companies in America. And again, everybody I know seems to be working with them. But if you're not working with them, check them out. Lean Group, L-E-A-N Group.com. And by the way, my podcast is edited by someone from Lean, Lean Solutions Group. They're a fantastic company. I just did an interview with Ryan Mann. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check them out. So let's switch gears and let's talk about who you work with. So who are your main customer segments? Yeah, so we kind of, you know, we built a platform that will work across all industries. You know, an EDI is traded in financial industries. I think ACH payments, positive pay. It's traded in retail. I think order to cash, procure to pay. It's traded in logistics. You know, brokerages are trading with shippers and carriers, all integrated in EDI. 3PLs are trading with shippers and, and carriers, all integrated with EDI and other warehouses. You know, shippers are integrating directly with suppliers and carriers and warehouses and 3PLs. I mean, so... And then the carriers are integrating, you know, they're, they're kind of the bottom of the totem pole that they have to integrate with a lot of different types of companies. You know, the way we look at the market is we built this product that works for everyone. But where we've really found a few strongholds is in retail and in logistics. The way we've been growing is we've actually been 
having you know third party or third party uh, software companies. I wouldn't even really call them third party, but SaaS companies like Emerge, like Flock Freight, like Mastery. You know these big like ShipBob, these big software as a service platforms that have to trade EDI for their customers have embedded our solution because you know their technical teams see what we've done and they believe. And they're like, okay, this thing is amazing. I don't want to do it the old way. Out with the old and with the new, let's do, let's use orderful. Well, and that's a competitive advantage for them because now when they talk to somebody, Huge so now advantage. are they able to connect with carriers and also shippers much faster? They can trade with anyone. Yeah, and, and they're trading, they're getting onboarded, uh, onboarding new partners, new connections in nine days. And so their, their time to value once you sold an account is two, three months faster. Again, it's, you know, there's top line benefits, like they're onboarding they're, and, and they're for these kind of companies, actually, and same with 3PLs, what's really interesting is they're servicing hundreds of customers, thousands of customers, right? Like a, you know, a shipper may use a 3PL to move all their products around. That 3PL has to provide a great experience to every single customer. If EDI is slow, the 3PL is actually getting a lot of pressure from the customers to move faster. So they're constantly feeling this like pressure to, to integrate faster and trade faster because their supplier or their customer is actually expecting them to like hold up their end of the bargain, which is like, hey, we wanna start selling our products or start moving our products around. Like, why the hell is this taking you so long? So we've, you know, we found like a, a great stronghold there uh, to support these companies that have a lot of customers. You mentioned Flock, you mentioned Emerge. I've had both of them on the podcast many times. and. I think of those as real on brand because these are these are high tech logistics companies, and yep. they're very much operators, but they are tech centric. And hey, we can support the low tech yeah, guys exactly. Too. Well, but here's the thing: it's like anything else in business. The first time you got a DocuSign, you're like, "Oh, that was pretty easy." All right, that's cool. Then you did yeah. another one, another one, and then when somebody sent you something and said, "Just print it out." sign your name, scan it, and email it back to us. You're like, oh, okay, we're going to do that again, huh? And that's that happens yeah, in our business every day where you're exposed to something and, and it's little things because, again, I'm a small business. So I feel this is like, hey, if something becomes kind of the norm for the techies, it quickly get, gathers steam because – you start feeling like yep. oh, I better do that. I better get a DocuSign account because <laughs> yeah, there's a comp there is a competitive advantage to moving faster, no doubt. Like also on brand, it's also on brand. Like no one. Think, I mean, think about DocuSign though. Like the reason why that product is great is because it's fast, fast like, and easy. If you just like get down to the essence of it, it's easy. It's fast. It's like all right. Like I don't need to email this PDF and scan it and do all this shit. Like this thing's gonna work. So. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly why you know we're tackling this problem is we want to make it fast and and easy for for the users. So you're connecting directly to a lot of the technology companies that are out there. So the flat rates, the emerge. So that's one of your places. And you said you also sell to retailers. We sell direct to to merchants, like the actual you know the suppliers. We do have a few retail companies on our network that are using our product. Probably some of our largest accounts that were in the logistics and supply chain space. You think about like NFI, big, you know, big company, largest 3PL, big, big boys. 
really lucky to have him as a customer, amazing customer. And same with Coke Industries, the the KBX team. Yeah, they're also a customer. And so the way that, you know, the kind of the use case or case study for for Coke is like they they were building a new TMS. They had their own, they had their own proprietary software. They were onboarding EDI in their own legacy way. It was taking them, you know, 16 weeks to go live with a new partner. And they had 20 full-time people doing this work. And we were able to help help that company move those people around to do more meaningful work in EDI and onboard these customers in a very, uh, onboard all their carriers in a very fast way. So, you know, within, within a year, they were able to onboard about 500 carriers to the platform, which, you know, is unheard of in the EDI space, right? And they were able to do that with very few resources. So for them, you know, they saw both the top line and bottom line benefits of getting the supply chain on quickly and reducing infrastructure and, and kind of human capital costs to this work. That's fantastic. So if somebody called you up, said, I heard John Joe's podcast. And by the way, that guy is brilliant. <laughs> they won't say that. Trust me. <laughs> Joe, Joe's brilliant. <laughs> you no, are brilliant. Thank you. But um, if they call and say, hey, I like this. I like what you have to say. And let's just say they're a, a carrier or a 3PL or a broker. How do you guys start with them? How do you get, how do you, uh, I'm assuming it happens very rapidly too. Yeah. So what we, you know, what we want to do is understand how they're solving the problem today and then kind of show them, kind of educate them on how orderful is different. So that kind of our first interaction with the customer is like, Hey, look, here's the status quo. Here's how EDI works. And here's how orderful is different. And we get them to believe. Once they believe, then we're off to the races and we're, you know, we're in this, we're in this journey together. You know, one of our one of our values as a company is our commitment to customers. So we're going to make sure that they are 100% successful in a very short amount of time. The way we get started is is kind of two ways. They could either use our platform in a self service manner. If they have their own team, their own infrastructure, they could just plug right into Orderful and start using it to trade. And we have a network of shippers. We have a network of 3PLs. We have a network of retailers already connected to the platform. So as soon as their team connects to Orderful, they can start trading with this network in real time. So that's a very, you know, that's a very common use case where companies have their own in-house team. You know, they want to continue to use these resources. They want to deploy them on a solution. And our platform is there for them in a self-service experience. The other way to work together is we will actually provide a managed service or a full service for EDI. We'll do everything for the customer. We still need their help with, things like communicating with trading partners or getting introductions to them sometimes, but we will take on all the integration work. We can take on the testing work and create, you know, an environment that's really fast for them. Right. A lot of like, think about like different scenarios of business, like carriers don't have the, usually don't have the technical resources to build software. So they, they typically need like a full or managed service offering to support them with, with technology integrations. 3PLs might have their own team. They may have consultants that are doing this today. Uh, so they may want to take on the, the self-service, but there could be a, you know, a big kind of value to them moving t- towards like a full service where they don't have to do any of this work in-house and we can move within nine days for each partner. So there's kind of two main ways. It's self-service and the full service. And, and there's different variations of the full service. Like we can do some work, they can take on some. 
but we can, you know, we can slice and dice it how, how it works for the company. What's the difference between, let's say, when somebody says software versus what you keep using the term platform? What does a platform mean in this regard? Yeah, so there's a lot of software out there that, you know, especially in integrations or B2B, where you buy the software and you use it to build the house, right? Like you buy the toolbox, name, name any iPass or any middleware, you're buying MuleSoft and you're building your own integrations. And that, that's traditionally how companies operated in EDI and in B2B, is they buy some software to build stuff. You buy, you buy the software, build the house. The platform is the house. You're buying, you're buying the, the totally baked, you know, beautiful home. You walk in the door day one, you can sit on the couch and turn on the TV and start, start working. You know, I'd say that's like, uh, that's my, that's my layman's term, my layman's term. No, I like it. I like it. I like that's a great analogy. So let's just say I am a software company. I make a warehouse management system and then I connect, I call you, I get connected to that platform and then I say, oh, by the way, I also have 20 companies that I would like to connect with. Is there a chance you say there are, I already have 10 of them connected to our system? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We have about 7,000 <laughs> different entities connected to Orderful. So this is like a network effect. Yeah, there's a big network here. And, you know, what we're doing is we're reusing. Anytime we onboard a new partner, this is also part of our speed. Is like anytime we onboard a new partner, we take their requirements and we publish them in our network. And so we have a library of all these different requirements. So when you come into Orderful, you can just choose a trading partner and start testing with those requirements in hours. Man, I think you're going to get to a point where you say you can work with us as long as you're connected to Orderful. That's that's actually, uh, you know, when we represent like a, a leader like Coke Industries, you know, they, they actually ask their carriers to use our product to trade with them, right? Because they they what we've created is a self-service onboarding experience that guides the user through the, the steps that are typically really complicated. We actually made a joke about this earlier, like, you know, I forget what the acronym was, but, or is is uh, trade. Why do we call it trade? Just to make it difficult, right? Like EDI, it, it like inherently is very hard. And what we've done is we've created a self-service onboarding experience where a company can log into our product and they get told, it's like the Domino pizza tracker. Like you're told exactly what to do at what step and where you are in your journey. And you know exactly how to go through that process. That's why, that's part of the big reason why Coke Industries selected Orderful is to provide that experience for their supply chain. They really care about their carriers. They wanted to make this experience great for them. Yeah, I love it. Well, there's a million things in our lives that are very, very complicated that someone made really simple for us so we can use it. And yeah, taxes. Not going to get any. But you think about your mobile phone, all the things that it lets you do really simply. Virtually all of them were complicated at one time, but somebody created an app for it or something that made that's it. That's right. You know, and it's funny, we didn't used to talk this way about these user interfaces. And that's kind of the whole world now is create a great user interface. And I don't have to see, I don't have to see how the sausage is made. <laughs> somebody else is making it work for me. I love the yeah. fact that, first off, I'm going from 90 days to nine days. That, oh, just forget all the tech talk. That's all you need to know. You're going to go from doing business with your new customer in nine days, not 90. You're going to start making so much more money as a result. 
And yeah, by the way, right. yeah, and it, and it's just like less pain. For if you think about this as a fair, fairly large company, ten companies that started in nine days rather than ninety. It's a fortune saved. I shouldn't say saved, earned. Yep, those relationships really everything everything adds up. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So before we hit record, I was talking to you about AI, and I was asking. I heard somebody on one of the business news programs. They said something like, "You know, we're worried about how somebody." a bad actor could say, I'm going to hack a system. I'm going to use AI. And we got to talking a little bit about how you guys are planning to use AI. And you said something like, Hey, we went from 90 days to nine days. Can we get to nine hours using AI? Yeah. Yeah. So our, so our vision at Orderful is to turn EDI, turn this complex B2B integration process into an experience like flipping a light switch. So right now we're at nine days. And what we want to do is get to nine hours, nine minutes, nine seconds. Like that's my, that's my kind of, kind of vision for the company in terms of where we're going and what we build. And AI is a big, is going to be a big part of that. We've already, we commissioned a, uh, a group of PhD students at Berkeley to support us building some, some features in the product that make things a lot faster. I'm not going to spill the beans on how we're doing that yet, but it's really cool. Like, you know, basically you could explain it. Most of us wouldn't understand Eric. <laughs> basically we're, we're automating a lot of the work that a user would normally have to do. Like, you know, and I think that that's like, that's the benefit is like, you know, we're just kind of taking less work out of the, out of the experience, you know, with AI, you can simplify the job that needs to be done. You know, I think what's important about it though, is you got to find the right application for it. Like, you know, if engineers are worried about AI taking over, you know, writing code, like that's probably a bit, a bit far-fetched. Like what you, you know, we still need really smart people to make decisions and, and be part of the, part of the equation um, because you got to prompt this thing with, you got to tell what to do. Right. But I do think, I do think it's going to help with speeding up a lot of different industries oh, yeah. and helping, helping humans solve complex problems. Well, yeah, it's, it's one of the things that, that kind of occurs to me is there's a lot of people, myself included, I'm a supply chain guy. I'm not a tech guy. I, I worked in logistics and supply chain my whole life. And so when I bump up against someone, so it starts the, well, we need to connect your EDI to our EDI and blah, blah, blah. And you go, oh God, here we go. We're going to be dragged down into this again. But what you're talking about is, look, we're going to simplify that. So it's just, as you said, turn it on light switch. It's not a problem anymore. And there's a million things in my life that work just like that. I don't have to worry about how the internet works. It just works. <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody's making that's that right. happen. And this is what we want for our businesses. We don't need more things slowing us down. We don't need speed bumps. Yeah. And you don't want to <laughs> learn something new. Like you don't need to learn. You don't need to learn something new. Like what you need to learn is how to provide a better and this is one of customers them. yeah it, and by the way i also think of like all these small cpgs uh, you know there's always a new brand that pops up and they want to work with costco or walmart or trader joe's or uh, whole foods i just envision the celebration that they're having and you go yeah we're celebrating because in 90 days we'll send them our first <laughs> first product and then in 30 days after that we'll get paid oh my god what are we celebrating <laughs> Yeah. For, well, for all the salespeople, for all the salespeople listening, like go back and apply pressure to leadership teams to look at like, what is, you know, what does this onboarding process actually entail? Yeah. And, and, you know, be, be intellectually honest about 
where you guys can make improvements. I think we're, you know, we're obviously in a recession. Companies like sales are extremely hard right now. Companies are trying to, you know, companies should be trying to find ways to reduce costs and improve their operations. Um, and if you can do both at the same time, like, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. So this is, you know, EDI is a great, you know, is a great opportunity to look at. A lot of companies don't look at it because everybody wants to avoid the problem because there's never been, you know, there's never really been a solution that actually helps them. But I'd say right now is like a very good time for people to look at how they can improve and get a competitive advantage. I love what you're doing. It's again, I'm not lying. This is no exaggeration. When I told people what you did, people who understand this stuff far better than I, they go, are you sure, Joe? And and honestly, my first time I was thinking, am I really sure? I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But it's, I mean, it's that good. You know, Joe, Joe, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sure for the first, you know, four years of building the product myself. Like, I think that's part of the journey. It's like, what the hell are we doing here? You know, but now we have these big accounts that have all seen success and we track all the data and we know that like on average, people are going live within nine days. Like it is a, it is a sure thing. Like, you know, it took us, took us five years to figure out and a lot of self doubt, a lot of like, you know, a lot of like questions of what the hell are we doing here? Is this even possible? But, you know, luckily I have incredibly smart people around me, a much smarter people than me to solve these problems that, you know, I could never, I could never do them. Yeah. Own. You told me you have people in San Francisco, Vancouver, where else? India? Yeah. No, no, nobody overseas. We do hire people from, from places like Kenya and Brazil, and they tend to want to move to, uh, to United States or Canada. So we put them up in Vancouver, but there's great tech talent in those, in those countries. But, you know, we're, we're mostly, we're a North American company. We have an office or we had an office in Vancouver and an office in San Francisco. We closed those offices over COVID and traded that cost for a big employee benefit of, of a company trip every year. Last year, we went down to Cabo. People brought their families. It was super nice. fun. Yeah, it was super cool. So, you know, we need to plan another fun one this year. But, you know, kind of uniquely about Orderful, most of our engineers and, and R&D team is up in, up in British Columbia, Canada. You know, there's extremely smart people up there looking for, you know, well-paying tech jobs. And they're extremely loyal. I'm super grateful for all of them. A lot of our engineers on that team have been at the company for since day one. Like almost every engineer up there has been at the company for five years, four years, you know, three years from the day they started. And I think like, I think the the cool thing that we can provide is the Silicon Valley experience and the speed at which we're growing to people and in, 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 it's, it's great, it's great talent in this market that otherwise wouldn't have that. And I think that's, you know, that's why they stick around, they stick around for the culture. They may be just sticking around for the the annual party, but that's not a bad thing. You're not going to quit before the party. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to blame them for that. I'm glad they're having a good time. That's excellent. But yeah, it's yeah, it's been. So fun. what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile, and I'll put a link to the website and any other links you and your marketing team gives me. And um, before you go, I like to interview smart, interesting people who are killing it in the space like you. Who else should I talk to? Yeah, I have a very good friend. His name is Ashton Braun. He runs a company called U-Silo. You can check him out at usilo.com. What are you saying, U-Silo? U-S-E, Silo. Okay, interesting. I think that's the I think that's the domain. But they are, you know, they are an ERP for, you know, raw produce manufacturers 
And they, you know, the way that they've grown is they would go to, you know, the, what is that? The container, I forget that. I don't even know what this is called, but the, the container landing facility, containers coming off of the ports. <laughs> I don't know where that, what, but I lost that. Go to the ports, they pull the containers off, you know, representatives from like Dole and other big, you know, fresh produce companies are there. And then you have all the, the retailers that are coming and buying. And typically all those inter interactions were done over paper and pen. I and mean, what Ashton did is early, in his early days, go and hand out these iPads and say, hey guys, look, here's an accounting system for you. Here's an ERP, use it. And what's, what's really cool about Ashton's story is he was able to build all of this from, you know, the, all of the, his, he was able, able to build his company just from usage and people actually starting to use it and trade. I you love know, it. I'm plugging them partially because they're an order, they're an order they for are. customer now. But what's what's really cool about their what, what's cool about what they're doing now is offering supply chain financing, uh, yes. and you know they're making it very easy for you know the buyers pay the the sellers and the sellers to get paid immediately, right? So they're offering some factoring. They're also doing you know I, I think they're doing some insurance stuff. But they've built a really big business, a really cool business around solving a core problem and now offering value added services. On well, top. yes, I, I said I've said many times. The number one question is, where's my stuff? The number two question in this biz is, where's my money? (laughs) So so anyway, uh, what conferences will we see you guys at? Do you get to all the logistics and supply chain conferences? Yeah. So, you know, we, we've been kind of off, off the conference. I saw you at Manifest. But we were at Manifest. We'll be at Manifest again next year. Oh yeah, that's awesome. It's great That's where we met. Maybe we can, maybe we can record something there. But really what we're focused on is actually being very tactical and being on the ground. So we have a team, Jonathan, who you who you had on the pod, I think probably three or four months ago. Um, he's built a team of, you know, business development representatives or kind of channel managers that are traveling to all these localized events, and that's where we're spending our time is going to meet, trying to get closer to on, the on the ground experience than the larger conferences. You know, like it's very easy to get caught up in the, in the kind of the scene of the larger conference and not actually be seen. Whereas if you go to these smaller events, you can build real relationships and, and explain to people. I think what there's we do. benefits to both kinds because I've heard people say, "Yeah, I loved Manifest. I loved JOC out there at uh, TPM," but there, those are three thousand plus people at those conferences, yeah. <laughs> and you know. But Manifest is still pretty small, like compared to a shop talk. Like, that's <laughs> like Manifest is awesome. We were also at we were also at TIA this year. We'll go back again next year. But those, yeah, those are the kind of conferences we like, like the smaller, kind of more intimate shows. I should also say I am going to the Transportation Marketing and Sales Association meeting. It's in Savannah in June. So anyone who's uh, looking to grow your sales, all get right. down there. <laughs> this will be my first. Well, maybe I should go talk to all the. Maybe I should go down there and talk. Yeah, to all the exactly. Sales. We're all. If you're trying to grow your sales, this is not a bad place to go because everyone down there is looking for, you know, ideas on how to grow your sales and in this nothing better than what you're doing. Very cool. Anyway, I I'm really glad we finally got a chance to talk, Eric. I know we've been planning this for months, so thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. 
You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.